0: You're listening to Gyro City Orlando's podcast, where we believe that you were designed, purposed, and positioned to change the culture. We hope this week's episode encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Ah, uh, come on, come on. It's Gyro City's first week back. I want some more energy. How are you guys doing tonight? Come on. Man, I am. I am beyond thankful. I am beyond grateful and just excited to be here, to be in the room with all of you tonight. Uh, tonight, uh, we are kicking off. Oh, that, I thought that was like a mic, but that's thunder. <laughs> uh, tonight, we are kicking off week one of a series that we are calling The Essentials. Come on, say that Let me. Say The Essentials. Yeah, we are kicking off this brand new series. The reason I wanted to call it. The Essentials was because um, I believe that over the course of these next four weeks, I believe these are four essential conversations that Christian communities need to have, Um, not because they're comfortable, but because uh, we are called to not be comfortable. Come on, can I get an amen? Uh, We are called to not be comfortable. We are called to have awkward conversations. We're called to bridge the gap between what we believe and what the world is living. Can I get an amen? Amen. Um, so, uh, my heart really is, uh, if you know me, you know I'm very atrevido, uh, you know I, I like to push, um, uh, you can ask my parents, I, 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 like having conversations that aren't comfortable. Uh, and then when we finish the conversation, I'm just like, that was amazing. And they're just like, sure, guy, uh, what is wrong with this kid, we, ah, jeez, Lord, we gotta pray for him and fast for him more. Um, so, but, um, that, that's just my character. Um, I really like having conversations that aren't comfortable. Um, I really like talking about things that people wouldn't talk about otherwise because um, I know a uh, a lot of communities of faith would prefer to not talk about Um, You know, these four things are going to be talking about over the next four weeks. And that's fine. Of course, that's up to them and, you know, their pastoral staff and stuff like that, up to, you know, what they want to talk about in their Sunday services and things like that. But I know God has really pressed on my heart that we are going to, if we're called to change the culture, because that's Jaira City's motto, right? We believe that, that we're called to change the culture. If we're called to change the culture, that means we need to talk about some, we need to have some conversations that are currently um, going around in our culture today. And if we're going to change the culture, then we need to know what the culture is saying. And then we also need to know what biblically what God is telling us to put and interject into the conversation that our culture is having. Can I get an amen? I'm a, I'm a words of affirmation guy. So when you say amen, it makes me feel like I'm doing good. So um, uh, this week, um, week one, we're, we're talking about racism and, um, you know, I'm sure you guys are like, oh, we've, as if we haven't heard of that enough, you know. Um, I, I actually planned this week's message about a month and a half ago. Um, I had no idea uh, that what, what has happened, you know, over the course of the past few weeks. I had no idea that that would be the case leading up to this day. Um, I, I can tell you that I, I believe it was God, um, that God wanted to address, have a conversation with us uh, during this time period about this. Um, I will give myself a little bit of a caveat um, I am not black, um, I am a Puerto Rican kid, you know, um, can I get an amen for my Ricans in the house, hey, uh, we love everybody, but I'm, I just, my Puerto Ricans love Puerto Ricans, amen, um, so I, I'm not black, um, I am probably ignorant to a lot of things that other people probably have more knowledge than me in, um, I could probably know a lot more about this subject before I talk about it. Um, I could probably say some things that might come out the wrong way or might, you might not agree with, and that's, that's fine. I, I, um, I, I might say some things, and you might interpret them entirely and completely differently from the way I mean them. Um, I just know in my time in prayer and fasting with God that God has given me the green light. My pastors have given me the green light, and I know that between me and God, I'm good between me and God, I'm good. Because I know God has called me and asked me to speak on this today Um, and um, be a part of my atrevido, you know, personality. Um, When God tells me to go into a fight, I'm not going in doubting. When God tells me to go into a fight, I'm going in fully prepped with a sword, with full intention to kill the enemy's plans for your minds, for your lives, and for the lives of the people out there that have yet to know the good grace and gospel of our Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So um, tonight, as we start out, I want to start in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39. I want to start reading there because um, God had really put it on my heart to start with this scripture for the night. Um, So it reads like this. It says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. Mind you, this is Jesus talking. Let me actually give you a little bit of context before I continue. This is Jesus talking talking to the 12 disciples, as he's about to send them out and in, in, in to reach, um, actually, and it's funny that, but before we read this, he is sending them out not to reach the Gentiles, aka not to reach non-believers. That's not what Jesus is sending them out to do right now. Jesus is sending them out to reach The lost sheep of Israel. What am I saying? Uh, In today's day and age, Jesus is sending them to speak uh, to the Christian, the the, the ones that know God in this day and age, the ones that understand who God is and their moral obligation to Jesus and to God. And Jesus is sending them to preach the kingdom of heaven. He's like, hey, I am sending you to tell them that the kingdom of heaven is here. That the way that heaven works is here. The way that heaven looks is here. I'm sending you to talk to church people if we're going to bring it to today's language. I'm sending you to talk to church people. And as I send you to talk to church people, I want you to know, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth but a sword. And if we look in the biblical narrative, a sword is most commonly the word of God. And what's he saying here? Like, he's saying, hey, I didn't come to make you feel comfortable. I came to confront you with truth. I didn't come to help you believe that what you've been living and believing up to this point is right. I came to test if it was right or not. I came to make sure and I came to convict you and make you change your perspective because a lot of their perspective was that Jesus was coming to overthrow the uh, Caesar and the empire of Rome. But Jesus did not come to do that this time around. Jesus did not come to relieve your temporary burden, but to give you a hope for a peace and a future, as Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29, 11. And that's the context that we're reading this in. So he says, uh, verse 35, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being Mine, when I first read that, I was like, geez, that's harsh language. But um, could you imagine being in a dating relationship with somebody that they love somebody more, like they love somebody else more than they love you? What kind of love in a relationship is that? In a covenant, we're speaking covenant. If I was married and my spouse loved somebody else more than they love me, that would immediately compromise the covenant relationship we have here. Therefore, we would say, oh, no, 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 You're, you're not worth it for me. Because if we're in this covenant relationship, how can you base your actions off of your love for somebody else when we're in covenant? So it's not harsh, it's just real. Can I get a witness? If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. And I love this. I love verse 38 and 39. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, You are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Amen? Um, uh, Today I want to speak to you from the subject that was back and forth, what I should call this message, either carry the burden or a divine disruption. Um, So we'll just say it's both. Amen? I want to speak to you from the subject of carrying a burden of divine disruption. Can I get an amen? All right, won't you pray with me? Uh, Father God, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, God. Lord, I pray, my Father God, Lord, I pray that tonight, Jesus, that you would speak through me, God. Lord, because I am a human, and I am opinionated, and I am not objective, Jesus. But Lord, I pray that your objective truth would be spoken through me today. Holy Spirit, would you use me as a vessel for speaking truth tonight to your people, God? Lord, I pray that the words would resonate with these people, with your people, Jesus, and I pray that it would cause them to be divine agents of change in this world. Come on, if you believe that, all God's people said, all God's people said, come on, Jairus City, if you love Jesus, make some noise, amen, amen, oh man, it feels good to be back, oh geez, Um, does anybody like Starbucks? Anybody like Starbucks? My dog, my man Danny, my name is Zadiel. Yeah, I, I love Starbucks. Um, I don't drink it as much because it's not wise to throw all my money at Starbucks, but I do love Starbucks, so much so that I gave them a year and a half of my life to work for them. Um, and that was, it, it was one of the, the most, I would say, it, it was a great time, man. It was a great job, was it perfect? Not by any means, n- not at all. It was not perfect, but it was fun, man. It was great, uh, uh, the, the cool thing about that job was that it allowed me to encounter a lot of people in their walks of life that had different uh, uh, belief systems and perspectives of how the world worked than I did. It truly defined who I am today, and uh, man, I'll, I'll actually never forget, this was a really crazy thing, um, that one, uh, there was a moment where I worked at, at Starbucks um, that um, nationwide, the stores all shut down for one day, and it was because of an incident that had happened at a Starbucks in Philadelphia with uh, two black gentlemen um, that had gotten arrested, um, and they, they, they weren't doing anything. They were meeting a friend, but um, uh, Starbucks had received a lot of heat for racial profiling. So they decided to shut down Starbucks for a day and have racial bias training, racial bias training, and as a, I think I was like 18, as an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, you're just like, um, cool, yeah, I'm not, obviously I'm not racist, so this is going to be a breeze, you know, um, and man, I, I, I had a conversation with a few coworkers about their perspective and how um, they were a lot more socially conscious of their actions um, so that they wouldn't be perceived as a threat. Um, I remember having a conversation with one black coworker in specific where she told me that whenever she walks into a store, she is always conscious and always makes sure that her hands are visible so people don't think she's shoplifting. Um, That when she's walking down the street um, in her neighborhood, she tries her best to look as kind and smiles as big as she can so that the people in her neighborhood don't cross the street when they see her because it's happened to her before. Um, And and I can remember clear as day being just broken and distraught to think that a human being has to prove they're not a threat. To think that somebody has to prove they're not a threat. I remember that just breaking me and thinking, but I know you. You would never do any of those things. You're a kind and courteous human being. That's not a fair judgment to make. And... I I wasn't a pastor yet at the time, and I I remember looking her in the eye and saying, you know, one day when I'm a pastor, I promise you I will use my platform to speak on things like racism and, and racial biases because they exist. Should they exist? Absolutely not. Are they God's plan? Absolutely not. But it is here because of the product of a fallen, broken world. I think we can all agree that this world is broken and it is fallen. And we are eagerly awaiting the day that God will come back again and make all things new. Amen? And, and today, as I, and actually as I was preparing this message, I was brought to tears to think that I get to finally fulfill my promise today. That I get to finally address this situation, address this topic today. And, you know, with the horrific and tragic events that have happened, you know, with these past few weeks, I believe it is divine timing. I believe God would have us speak on this because it's a, it's a question that people have, man. You know, it's a question that people have. And, and I would even say that if, all, if for me, man, personally, if all I ever do is preach to each one of you, then how will we ever reach people out there if I don't preach to their situation? If I don't preach to the room I want to have, how will I ever see that room in this room? Can I get a witness? You know what I mean? So I'm excited to to speak on this today, Uh, and and it's crazy because with life being slowed down, we kind of have to pay attention to these things, right? I don't know about you, but I have been glued to social media this past week like nothing else, and it has become such a weight and anchor on my soul. Can anybody agree with me? <laughs> it, it, is, it is sad, it is tragic with just understand, trying to understand people's perspectives is, is truly try and put myself in their shoes and, and be empathetic towards them to try and experience a pain that I could never experience. It's difficult. It hurts. You feel the pain that they feel, but on a, on, on a much more shallow level than they will ever feel it. And today, I, I, want, us, I want you to know that um, Jesus wants us to talk about this because Jesus wants us to do something about this. Can I get an amen? Jesus would have me, a 20 year old Puerto Rican kid who, who is pretty American as they get. I was born in Virginia. I was born, I speak mostly English. I felt so out of place when I order a a, a burger and a shake in in a Puerto Rican McDonald's because I don't know the language because I'm that American that God would have me choose to empathize and have me choose to speak on this. Can I tell you that uh, this past week I was sitting in my room. I was in my rocking chair because I love rocking chairs. Can I get an amen? and, and, man, I couldn't help but weep and weep bitterly. And I didn't know why. I'm like, God, why do I feel this way? This is terrible. I hate this. And God's like, hey, before you speak on my people's pain, I want you to feel it. This heaviness on my soul that I've never experienced in my life, that I don't understand, this feeling of over, this overwhelming feeling, God says, hey, before you open your mouth to speak on a people's pain, I want you to feel the pain first. Only then could you truly understand and only then could you truly preach with the passion and, 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 and the righteous anger that I'm trying to show you that I have towards this. I remember I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine who, he, he, he is a, a, a black person. I remember being like, hey, man, how do I approach this? And I was like, I could read all these books. And he's like, hey, man, yeah, reading books would be great. But what, what I really need you to do is I just need you to sit and feel it. I need you to sit and feel it. And as we go into today's conversation, I need you guys to sit and feel it. Because to turn a blind eye to helping other people is to play a part in their destruction. It's to play a part. In their destruction so as we go into today my first point for you today is God is calling us to be disruptive not destructive and I feel like that's very important to say God is calling us to disrupt some things not to destroy some things now God is calling us to be disruptive not destructive um, so one thing that I was kind of noticing as I was uh, you know studying the life of Jesus is that his three and a half year ministry was anything but conformative. You know, we can look at it nowadays, and we can think it's all cute and romanticize it, you know, like, wow, Jesus was changing the culture. Jesus was doing all these things. Jesus was changing the world. Yeah. Yeah, man, it, we, we, we fail to understand that Jesus, uh, his ministry wasn't put together. It was actually really messy. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying Jesus was messy. I'm saying that his ministry included imperfect people, and where there are imperfect people, there will be a mess. Can I get a witness? His ministry was messy and full of imperfect people. and Can I, can I also tell you this? It was constantly under attack by the people who wanted to keep the social norms of the day, both societal and in the church world. But Jesus came to disrupt some things that's why in the passage we just read he literally says that he did not come to bring peace but he came to bring a sword that that uh he he did not come to cheer you on and make you feel like you're doing all the right things when you're actually not he did not come to tell you hey yeah no right keep doing your thing man Keep chasing your purpose, bro, because your purpose does not, your purpose definitely doesn't include the people in your sphere of influence. Your purpose definitely doesn't include reaching those people for my namesake. That's not true. Jesus came to make you uncomfortable and say, hey, when's the last time you spoke to your friends about Jesus? When's the last time you asked them about how they actually see Jesus? And I remember very clearly saying during culture night, if you are in the room with people who have the wrong idea of Jesus and you stay silent, it's your fault now. Because if you can shed some light on some things and show them who the real Jesus is and you do nothing, now it's your fault. Now that burden is placed on you. You might be thinking, you know, like, what does it mean to disrupt this and that, you know, but when I say we need to be disruptive, I'm saying we need to cause a disturbance and shed light on problems in our culture. We need to interrupt life as normal and can I get an amen if you know that 2020 has been anything but normal. It has been everything but normal. And man, my first instinct is like, y'all said for 2020. The moment coronavirus hit, I was like, "Well, 2021 is my year." Yeah. That's my year, 2021. But you know what's crazy, man? Ah! I feel this in my bones. Y'all not ready for this. You know what's crazy? Is that in order for God to prep you, in order for God to prep you for the rest of this decade, what if he had to make you go through the most uncomfortable year possible so that you would finally be formed enough to preach the gospel with your life? What if he had to make you uncomfortable so that you would find comfort in the secret place? Come on, I don't hear you. Can I get an amen from somebody that believes this? What if Jesus had to push you to the brink of wanting to quit just so you could know you got more in the tank? What if he needed to bring you to your knees so that you would finally be in a position to surrender for him and for your life so that you would accomplish the purposes that he has placed on you to reach the people he has put in your path? Can I get an amen? God has disrupted this year. And if we choose to wait for normal to come back, we will miss the formation in the disruption. As Christ followers, if we choose not to disrupt the social norms of the culture of our world and the evangelical church, we we by default then choose the destruction of the possibility of reconciliation with those who do not look, think, or behave like us. Church, Can we stop trying to reach Christians? I, man, can we stop trying to save saved people and start trying to save unsaved people? Can we start preaching the gospel when we don't know if they know God instead of finally being like, oh, finally, a Christian coworker, I can have a conversation about Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, you're a Christian too? You should come to my church because you're comfortable with inviting them because you know you won't get rejected. How about... We just step out on a limb and be like, "Oh no, girl, you just dropped the f bomb and fuck her." I know you don't go to church. Can I get? I'ma invite you. Hey, you know, like, can we? Can we like, like? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm trying to say that Jesus did not come. Like, Jesus literally said, "He's like "The, the the healthy do not need a physician. A physician. I came for the sick." Do you know that there are so many people that go to your schools, that go to your, I don't know, summer camps, if that's still a thing because of COVID, but There are so many people that you know, that you play games online with, that you have a Snapchat group with or whatever, that don't know the hope of God and are wasting away internally. But because you will choose to be comfortable, you do not want to disrupt your everyday program where you walk through life like normal and you're just walking and waiting to get to heaven. But God is saying, hey, I'm not asking you to wait for heaven, I'm asking you to bring heaven to earth. Come on, can I get an amen? Can someone clap their hands and rejoice with me? that God? is calling us to bring heaven to earth we need to disrupt some things so we can reach people that do not look like us I I love being Puerto Rican man I love being Hispanic I love it but I want my youth ministry to look like heaven I want my youth ministry to have every person of every race every, every 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 tongue I want my youth ministry I want this church to look like heaven I want it to look like heaven. I want us to reach people that don't think like us. Can I tell you that someone that has an opposing view of where you're at is not a threat to you, but is actually your greatest asset? I cannot tell you how many people that I knew when I worked at Starbucks that would be that were literally vocally expressed that they wanted to come to my church because I did not shove the gospel down their throat, but rather I just said these words. So, what do you think about that? I just said. What's your perspective on that? I said, what do you have to say about that? It's crazy. We think be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger applies to only Christians. applies to everybody. It applies to everybody. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, especially slow to anger. We need to hear people and people that don't behave like us. Um, If I have a kid that walks through that door and they are just a juvenile, like I don't know, like a horrible kid. If they don't change in the next three years, I'm going to be just as excited and just as hopeful on year uh, on, on year three, day two, when they walk in the door, than I, as I am on day one when they walk in the door. You know why? I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't change people. You know what I mean? Um, but... If we don't, like, in this scenario, when we're talking about standing up, ag- standing against injustice. Church, if we don't stand against injustice, we'll lose the victims that are, that are being uh, 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 targeted by injustice. I think people are tired of hearing you preach faith when they know that faith without works is dead. And they're dying because we only have faith and no works to go along with it. I think people really wanna see the church be the church and not meet, but rather move. Church isn't a meeting, church is a move. Maybe we haven't seen a move of God because the church has failed to move and we only have succeeded in meeting in one place. Maybe we would do much more if we choose to be in our community rather than trying to build this community. Maybe the church should, should, should begin trying to reach and be, oh, Jesus, Lord, I feel this. Hey, come on, somebody. I'm excited. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today, man? Church should be, this community should be a hope for humanity. We are the hope for humanity because we have the only hope, the only way, the only message, the only life that people can have that will give them meaning, that will give them purpose, that will give them peace. Come on, if somebody believes that, why am I the only one that's excited about this? Because I know that Jesus is the hope for humanity. Come on, if you believe that, shout amen like he's in the room. In our attempt to keep a peace Jesus did not promise, we have caused so much destruction to a community Jesus gave his life to reach. In our attempt to keep a peace, a surface level shallow peace where we're not disturbed by what's happening in front of us, we have caused so much destruction to a community Jesus gave his life to reach. It's comfortable to tiptoe around the majority of people's feelings. It's comfortable to say very general statements like God loves everybody and you know like all lives matter you know it, but, but Jesus never promised comfort. Can I say yes? Obviously all lives matter. I agree with that. Can I get an amen? You know why? Every person is made in the image of God but you know do you, know, do you have any idea how foolish and insensitive it would be for me to look at Layla right now as she is being beaten and abused by somebody and say hey God loves everybody. Hey, God promised everybody that he he would deliver them. Of course he did. But right now, what the comfort she needs is to hear, hey, God loves you. Hey, God is going to deliver you. So when people say things like black lives matter, we're not talking about an organization. We're talking about the group of people that's still made in the image of God. Can I get a witness somebody? So when we say that, we're not saying, oh no, all lives don't matter, just them. No, we're saying they matter and they need to know it more than ever right now. Can I get a witness? My second point for you today is this: we, it's calling, not comfort. Calling. Say it with me. Say calling, not comfort. We are called to be ambassadors for Jesus. We are called to be agents of reconciliation and change. And I'll let you in on a little secret: that's not cute. Being an ambassador for Jesus and an agent of reconciliation and change isn't a cute Instagram post. It's a lifestyle that means I'm constantly in the dirt. I'm constantly getting punched and taking hits that are aimed at you. Because guess what? I am an ambassador for Jesus. And when Jesus took the whips for me and I accepted him and I said, I will follow him. I therefore have forfeited my comfort and said, I will take the hits for you, friend. I'll brunt the hit. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's not cute. It's a calling. Jesus never said following him would feel comfortable, but he actually did say that it would be uncomfortable. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 20. I want to read that to you really quick. And it says this. It says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples across to the other side of the lake. And then verse 19 says says this. It says, let me find it. I'm sorry. Then one of the teachers of religious law sent him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Because I mean, right, like, who doesn't want to follow Jesus when he's got crowds following him everywhere he goes? He's like, man, this guy's popular. This guy's famous. Like, hey, man, I'm about to be in your entourage. I'm trying to get in the 12. Come on. That one's ugly right there. Just kick him out of the boat. Let me get in. Let me go to the other side. Jesus, let me go with them. I want to be in your crew. Jesus, I want to be your homie. I want to be your best friend. I want to be your everything. Jesus, please. And Jesus' response to him is this. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What's he saying? He's like, Hey, oh, you want to follow me? You want to follow me? Right, I don't have a place to sleep, bro. I don't have a home. Woo! Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, Hey, here on earth I don't have a home because guess what earth isn't my home here on earth it's my mission field so why would I create a permanent home here on earth when it's my mission field when I'm called to get to work for the sake of the kingdom because when I work now that Jesus is dead and raised from the dead and now he sits at the right hand of the father so when I work I don't work in vain When I work, I know that the work is actually already finished and I'm just adding on to what has already been done. Come on, somebody. I know that this world is not my home, so why would I choose to be comfortable in a place I was never meant to stay? I'm preaching better than you're speaking. Come on, somebody. Jesus is saying, to follow me is to forfeit comfort and to accept that this world is not my home, but it is my mission field. Say, this is my mission field. Come on, say, this is my mission field. field. We're called to make this world look like home. Ooh, that's a line. We are called to make this world look like home. We're called to make this world look like heaven. And we do that knowing that Jesus, having already finished the work, will come and say, I am. And it will be done and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and we will be in the presence of God because the presence of God is heaven, amen? To live out our calling isn't comfortable, but it is necessary. You guys believe that, is that, is that, is that you believe that? To live out our calling isn't comfortable, but it is necessary. Um, to stand up for the oppressed communities in our nation isn't comfortable, but it is necessary. To challenge our own biases isn't comfortable, but it is necessary. Fighting against injustice and evil isn't comfortable, but it is necessary. Necessary? Can, can, can I can I present to you these things? God leaving the throne room of heaven and becoming human wasn't comfortable, but it was necessary. Mary being pregnant, being a pregnant virgin before she was married, understanding people would think that she was. Uh, you know, uh, wasn't comfortable, but it was necessary. Jesus being beaten and accused of a crime he did not commit, was not comfortable, but it was necessary. Jesus hanging on a cross for six hours was not comfortable, but if you believe it was necessary, lift up a shout of praise right now, if you know that his blood bought our freedom. The calling of reconciliation means we sacrifice comfort for calling. I will gladly forfeit my comfort to bring comfort to people who are being mistreated and abused. I will gladly do that. We're called to bring heaven down to earth. Just a glimpse of it. My final point for you today is working, not waiting. In Revelation 7, verses 9 to 10, I actually just quoted it, but I want to read it to you. It says this, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne room and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. So what does the church and what does the Bible have to say about racial reconciliation about racial reconciliation about racial reconciliation let me make you a little uncomfortable about racial reconciliation what does the bible have to say about that oh yeah it's gonna happen oh yeah it's he said it it's right there it's 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 a done deal it's already said god has spoken therefore it will be so and And friends, because God said it's going to happen, do you understand that now that 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 makes me want to work all the harder? Because God has said, oh, yeah, that's happening now. I'm like, "Okay, cool. It's happening. Let's get let's do it then. Oh, it's already done. The work is already finished. So when I work, I'm, it's gonna happen. Okay, cool. Let me let me let me let me work towards racial reconciliation. Let me work towards that. Let me fight oppression. Let me fight injustice. Let me battle against the forces of darkness and evil and the demonic forces that would oppress the people in our nation, in our lives, in our world. Let's fight against it because we win. Let's fight against it because we, the people of God, know how the story ends and we win. And man, I, I want to give you actionable steps on how to be an ambassador for Christ, how to be a, an agent of racial reconciliation, how to bring this change to pass. Can I say the first thing we need to do is pray. Now, some people, maybe you're watching online or you're hearing your thing thinking, pray, but when you say pray that sounds kind of lazy I don't know baby have you ever prayed before have you ever like like prayed prayed I'm not talking Jesus thank you Lord I pray that you would do it my God thank you so much no I'm talking about I'm talking about on your knees I'm talking about in your closet I'm talking about in the quiet place I'm talking about Tasha Cobbs is on break every chain break every chain break every chain I'm talking about breaking chains in the secret place because that's where the magic happens. I'm talking about crying. I'm talking about shedding tears. I'm not talking about 10 minutes. I'm talking about an hour of constantly being in the presence of God, pressing in, pressing against the forces of evil in our day and age. I'm talking about prayer. I'm not talking about a prayer. I'm talking about prayer. Man, (laughs) if you really knew the power of prayer, You wouldn't even fight anybody. You'd just be like, I'm going to tell on you to Jesus. I'm going, just wait, no, it's cool, baby, don't worry. Wait until I get into the prayer closet. God going to handle you, you know what I'm saying? If we really knew the power of prayer, we wouldn't treat it like it's just something that we do. We would actually treat it like the weapon it is. Prayer is not our last priority. It's not our last response. It's our first response. It's our reaction. When something happens to me, I'm like, Lord, I need you, God. Lord, I can't do it. When I see a group of people being mistreated and abused, I fall to my knees and I'm saying, Jesus, I can't do it, God. Lord, I need you to bring justice to this land. Lord, I need you to bring justice to those who do evil and do wrong. Lord, I need you. I need you, God, because I cannot do it on my own. And then something happens in that place. Where God gives me the strength, God gives me the power, God gives me the confidence to go out and know that when I walk in the room, hell shivers. That when I walk in the room, the devil has to flee because he knows, oh no, he's, he's oh man, he, he took them steroids before he got here. He's not playing games. He took that pre-workout. He took, he, he took that pre-prayer. And man... We about to start this thing called pre-service prayer. It starts at six, ends at 6.30. Man, if you want to find some power in the name of Jesus, I recommend on Sunday nights you get here at six o'clock and you start praying and you start interceding and you start showing up and you start talking to God about everything that's going on in your life and in this world, and I promise you, watch how God moves in you and through you. We must pray. Now, I'm also a very practical guy, so, I, my, my second thing that we should do is sign petitions. You know, sign petitions that come against uh, injustice. Sign petitions that come against uh, abuse and injustice. Sign them. You know, the majority of you here don't have the ability to, you know, peacefully protest. I'll, let me. I'll read it. Peacefully. Peacefully protest, and that's okay. You know, that's not the only way. It is a way, but it's not the only way to. Uh, you know, use your rights as a a citizen. You know, the Apostle Paul used his rights as a Roman citizen to, you know, fight for his freedom, to try and gain his freedom from wrongdoing, and it worked, you know? So we, we should also use, you know, whatever avenues that God has graced us in our beautiful nation, in our beautiful land that we have, that we have the freedom to meet and do this. We should use those things. And, you know, if you do have the ability, because I'm not, you know, I know that we have maybe some young adults that are watching right now. You know, if you feel, if you feel comfortable and safe enough and you feel moved by God to peacefully protest then I would I would encourage you to do so but for those of us that can't we should we should sign petitions we should we should we should do these things because we know that is an avenue that God has given us that is practical and the most practical things can be the most spiritual if you believe that come on saying amen for me please you know what I mean um, and last but not least I encourage you to have conversations I think the most beneficial I think the lost art that we have in church is just having conversations with people that don't think like we do I think that's a lost start in the church. I feel like uh, if you don't have the same mindset as me, then we we tend to think that they're a threat. They're not. They're an asset. Somebody who doesn't think the same as me is an asset to my life because the Bible tells me that wisdom is insight. What's insight? Insight is is somebody else's perspective, somebody who doesn't think like me. So I gain wisdom by gaining insight. Only way I get insight is by talking to somebody who don't think like me. So I think we need to do that. We need to have conversations. And man, I, I remember being in high school and in middle school. And I remember, you know, sometimes maybe this isn't your experience, but this is definitely mine. I know my friends, sometimes they would say some uh, racist jokes. And um, I know we, we, we don't want to be the, the, the serious guy. We don't want to be the stiff, the stickler. But I, I, I think you have a moral obligation in front of God now, from this point forward, that when they say that joke, you're like, hey, that's actually not funny. That's someone made in God's image. And if you have to, and if you can only make a joke at the expense of someone else's humanity, that's actually pretty weak. You should come up with material. And I think, uh, uh, I think uh, your calling, you don't need to be a certain age. And in order to stand up for people, you don't need to be a certain age. So now the burden has been placed on you by God through me to stand up for people in your friend groups that you may not know, but God has given you the heart for now. So black jokes aren't funny anymore. They're rude and insensitive. And if, you have to, and if your friends don't want to talk to you anymore, guess what? That's the price of a calling. So if they make Asian jokes, not funny, friend. Find another joke. If they make Hispanic jokes, not funny, friend. Find another joke. Same thing, if they make white jokes, not funny, friend. Find another joke. We have to stand up to our friends. Why? Because if you actually care about them, you'd love them too much for them to say that in front of somebody that will kick their butt, because I promise you, When you're in the real world, that'll happen. Mess around with somebody's open wounds in the real world. Watch how bad you get smacked down. I believe that God wants us to step up and I believe that we are gonna be the change that this culture needs. Amen? Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this week's episode blessed you. And if it did, share with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe and check us out on social media at Gyra City ORL have a blessed day and remember you were made to change the culture